Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. And the Animation Deliberation Podcast. If you're a little confused, it's because today we are talking about The Bad Batch, which is a new Star Wars animated TV show coming to you starting on May 4th, Star Wars Day. And so we wanted to team up here at Star Wars Universe with the folks from the Animation Deliberation Podcast and get into this great animated show that's coming to us soon. All that more after commercial break, we have no control over. Woohoo! Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. So we here are super excited about the upcoming TV show, The Bad Batch, And I think for many people, uh, you may be looking forward to new Star Wars content. You may not really know what's going on with this. So we want this episode to be kind of a primer. This is going to be a chance for you to, if you saw The Clone Wars, kind of get caught up. If you haven't seen any of it but are excited for new content, get an idea of who these characters are, what their setting is, and what's going to be going on. And as I said, because there's a new podcast that's just started on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network called uh, Animation Deliberation, since this is going to be a Star Wars and an animated show, we thought it'd be awesome if we could team up together. So... I'm really happy that we're going to have, for, for this and all the other episodes going forward, of uh, this show, J. Scotty St. Clair and Zuhar Ali. How are you folks doing tonight? I am one with the Force and the Force is with... Uh, excuse me. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm so glad to have both of you on. Uh, J. Scotty, you and I have worked together on a couple podcasts, but Zuhar, I've not, not got, gotten to work for you, so really looking forward to having both of you on. I've been... Really enjoying the both of you on the Animation Deliberation podcast. And for folks who haven't checked that out, uh, definitely subscribe to that. It's doing some great stuff, and they'll get to talk about what they've been covering towards the end. Uh, but let's just start by getting into um, kind of like what this new show is coming, a new Star Wars show is coming. How are you all feeling about that? How are you feeling about this, uh, the Bad Bash coming to Star Wars on May 4th? Zuhair, why don't you you take the floor here as a uh, a resident more experienced Star Wars fan, I will say. <laughs> I am very excited about it. This the series kind of threw me off guard with just how good it is. As yeah. somebody who grew up on the prequels and as part of the rare batch that actually does love the prequels, <laughs> this this show that's kind of intertwined with it and enhancing the story in many ways has been really fun to watch. And as much as I enjoyed the Bad Batch, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from them mm-hmm. and what we would be getting out of a soul show like why did they need to do this but seeing that we're going to be getting a show that's really covering the fall of the republic and the rise of the empire and actually being able to finally see this transitionary period on screen is something yeah. i'm really looking forward to dwelling into definitely what about you Jay scotty yeah, as I as I kind of alluded to, um, I'm definitely a Star Wars fan, and, and clearly I am a fan of animated content, but I'm a little bit more of a casual Star Wars fan these days, but I, I do have to just, like, turn the clock back to that, that Disney investor day where we got all these incredible announcements and we got that trailer reveal, and just yeah. the synergy of that day, and, you know, seeing Finnick Shan, or, or uh, hopefully, I don't, I, I guess... 
spoiler warning, we're, we're, we're getting into some of the spoilers of the trailer, forgive me, but just, I, I'm, I'm super excited to see how this series is going to take um, all the fans from the corners of the Star Wars universe, no matter what they're into, it seems like it's going to unite all, all the fandoms in that regard, and given how divisive the fandom has been in the past, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to. Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. And honestly, hearing that makes me really excited to have the two of you on because, um, first of all, as, as I've said before, we want this podcast to not just be for the folks who know the name of, you know, every animal that they encounter on every planet and can tell us exactly why every lightsaber is the color it is. If you ha- know that knowledge, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a lot of this podcast is about helping those folks who, you know, maybe are newer to Star Wars or just are, you know, they love the movies, but they haven't delved deep into things. And if you're excited about this new show and want to learn more about it, that's awesome. And so, just yeah. Scotty, I'm glad you're here to kind of like, you know, if, if Zahar and I start going deep on something and you have no idea what we're talking about, I want you to be able to be like, wait, wait, no, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> Sounds and, good. And, and also, honestly, I'm not a big prequels guy. I grew up on the original movie, so I also think uh, Zahar having you here as the, like, other person uh, to give us some, some uh, uh, feedback uh, from that perspective will also just be fantastic. Positivity in Star Wars all the way. Awesome. Awesome. Let's start by diving in. And and actually, Jay Scotty, I'll turn it to you. So what do you know about the Bad Batch? Uh, Well, full transparency in preparation for the show and for this podcast, I did watch um, the four-episode arc from season seven, uh, excuse me, season seven, the final season of The Clone Wars. And that's that's really the only exposure I've got to these guys Mm -hmm. outside of that trailer I mentioned up top. And um, you know, over the course of these episodes, I felt like we got, um, in, in the first episode, they were more the focal point. Um, in the, the final three episodes, I think it was more, uh, Rex and Echo's story a little bit, as well as, uh, you know, Anakin obviously got some scenes in there, but you know, you really did get to get to know these four guys and these brothers and, I yeah. couldn't help, you know, anytime you see a, a team of four guys, and especially when they're brothers, I always go back to one of my favorites, uh, not only comic book series originally, but also a, a classic animated series, and that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I got a lot of nice. echo, echoes nice. from these guys there. Yeah, you guys agree? I, I can see that. They don't have they don't have the, the pizza love, but they're definitely kind of a misfits idea, you know? Yeah, nobody's saying cowabunga, but uh, Wrecker in particular <laughs> likes to have a good time. For sure. Well, and, and let's just kind of dive deep on what, where, where this is all grounded, because this show is happening during the Clone Wars, at, okay. towards the very yeah. end of the Clone Wars. And I think we've had that referenced a couple times in um, the movies. Obviously, the prequels are kind of about the start and the end of the war. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened in this show was that we really went a lot deeper into all the things that were happening, including kind of the lives of the clones. Um, so here, what do you think we really got out of the Clone Wars in terms of like, what we learned about the clones and who they are and what they were going through. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where they were they were bred to be soldiers. They were bred to win their missions, and as hurtful as it is to say, like they were meant to be expendable. But yeah. throughout the series, we see it more with the higher ranking guys. But they mm-hmm. start to develop their own identities in the way they have. Their haircuts, some have tattoos, the way they change their way they talk and their personalities and stuff. So you see that they're not just machines, they're not mindless. Like, they actually have, like, feelings and personalities and attachments to one another. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, even in these Bad Batch episodes, we had Rex going, like, I know Echo was out there. I recognize him. I know his voice. And jokingly, I want to say, like, yeah, like, thousands of you have the same voice. But <laughs> to yeah. have that connection, to have that distinction of, like, no, there's something about this one in particular that I have a bond with. So, yes, they're weapons. There have been a, a few generals who look at them that way. But even the Jedi and the Council are starting to recognize them as individuals and give them names and treat them respect. Um, and we see the the brotherhood and the camaraderie between these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good point. I think, um, just for those who uh, haven't seen it before, Rex is kind of one of the main characters of the show. He's uh, below Commander Cody, who we met in the prequel movies, uh, but he's still kind of a, a leader of them and becomes an important figure uh in, in that show, and Echo and Fives and some of, are some of the ones who we really get to know over the course of the story. And I think, I think that what you're talking about there is so important, and I think it's going to be important for where the Bad Batch goes, because, you know, at the start of the mo- at the show, everyone only refers to the clones as numbers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the most important parts of the story is what you're saying there, of them, like, developing their own identity. And even though they all look basically the same, they get haircuts and tattoos, and even though they... And they're all voiced by the same person, D. Bradley Baker, who's just an amazing voice actor, and we'll get more to him in a second. Um, but yeah, being able to see that individuality is such a such a great part of their story, I think. And what develops a lot of that is experience on the battlefield. Like, yeah, they all grew the same way. Yeah, they look exactly the same, but they've been in different situations uh, throughout a lot of their existence. Right. They've seen different things, whether it be you know animals in the woods or dealing with different planets or if it just is with their contact with the droids and then we have some people who are just on the ship so their their level of how they're dealing with their own trauma and the people that they've lost and the experiences that they've had like there's no way that you can treat the clones like you would treat droids or robots because they have they have the experiences that actually make them respond and react to different situations as they develop for sure the other thing i think oh go ahead i was just gonna say as someone that's like not as familiar with these characters even like when they have their helmets off obviously there are these like key visual differences like uh that that campfire scene where you saw cody and rex both with their helmet off they both even yeah i mean their armor obviously has different color schemes to help it make it easy Mm -hmm. to differentiate them but yeah like Cody just has the little divot in the corner of his hairline that shows what he's been through. And then just like tying it back to the bad batch themselves, like they are just so visually different from the rest of all these clones. And then even when they have like their darker armor on, um, they've all got these skulls that like designate who they are, but they all like, I I think a tech like his is like kind of like pixelated and has like the, the green hue to it that just kind of showcases his personality so much. So um, sure. Yeah, even just visually, they do a great job of, of showcasing the personality and not just the Bad Batch, the, the other clones as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think one of the things that I think is also really well done in the Clone Wars show that I'm, I'm kind of excited to see this show build on is we really get a sense of, of the relationship between the clones and the Jedi and the mm-hmm. clones and what is now developing into the sort of like non-clone military leadership, you know, and we get... Um, sort of non-clone, almost all human uh, people who are helping to lead the the military, including a young Commander Tarkin, who uh, oh, right. that name rings a bell because he becomes Grand Marf on the, on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's one of the most interesting things there as well because, first of all, with the Jedi, 
we really get a story of, as you were kind of saying earlier, the Jedi are on some level seeing them as expendable. And the Clone Wars does a great show, job of showing how, like, the moral quandary that that puts the Jedi in is part of what leads to their fall. Hmm. But you can definitely see moments, I think, of where the, the Jedi and the, and the clones are kind of having some tension with each other. And that, especially in the later seasons, there are some clones who kind of go against things because they think the Jedi aren't looking out for their best interests. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, one of the one of the storylines that genuinely hit me hard, I can't remember the Jedi's name, but the one that had four arms and each one had like a staff lightsaber. Oh, General Krell. Yeah, the dude was awesome, but man, did I hate him. But he was, I think his arc was really what showed how well Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace Windu, uh, how well they treated clones. Because when it came to him taking command, it's like, no, like, screw you guys. You're meant to die and listen to my orders. I don't care how many of you have to go down. If I say do something, do it. Right. He just used him as cannon fodder? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and then, I mean, it, it's a great story arc, and then at the very end of it, it turns out that he's actually just trying to be a Sith, which is kind of dumb, and I kind of uh. just ignore that part, because because the rest of it is, is exactly what you're talking about. It's that he's kind of like, you know, he's he's had to order these men to die and into battle, and he just has lost any, like, empathy or any sense of their humanity, um, hmm. or sentience. Rex doing the best he can to, like, fight for it, too. It's like, no, these are my men. You can't treat them this way. It's like, you're a clone. Shut up. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm glad you brought up Rex, too, because I think that's one of the other things the show establishes that I think the Bad Batch is really going to run with is that because these are a group of people who have almost no contact with non-clones, they they really only know each other. And they are, I mean, quite the same. They share the same DNA. They're quite literally brothers in that regard. They're all basically twins. Sure. But also they, they have this experience of, like, being military, you know, serving together and stuff like that, that, that yeah, the way Rex stands up for them, they really is a a deep caring, you know, and so the, we'll get to who the Bad Batch are and how we're introduced to them, but their story is all about, you know, a bunch of clones risking their lives for one clone who they think may, may be still alive. Mm-hmm. And you, we keep touching on the fact that this is going to be like the first interaction of like switching into a non-clone military. R- remind me the, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? The fiction science behind this is that they didn't have enough of Jango Fett's DNA before he died, so they can't, like, reproduce anymore, and then, like, there was, I think there was damage to Kamino, and the, the building, um, facilities, and that's why they just, they, they physically can't make clones anymore, like, they can't produce them because they don't have the resources. So I, I think, and honestly, this is one of the things I'm most excited to see in the new show. Because I think the question you're asking has been, if I understand it correctly, and I'm sure we'll get a bunch of angry emails from people telling me <laughs> where I'm wrong, but is that a number of things in the Legends canon gave possible answers to this. And that one of it was that the, um, like what you're talking about, that it became impossible to make new clones. One of it was that the, like as part of the Empire, they wanted to like cut, you know, cut control with mm-hmm. the, the clones. Or maybe even that Palpatine was like, you know, well, if they... I made them to turn on the Jedi, but maybe one day they would turn on me, so I have to get rid of them. Like, And, and it, it may even be in some of the newer books. Uh, I'm trying to read through all of them. I've read a lot, but I haven't read one that covers this yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in the official canon, certainly on, in the on-screen canon, that question has never been addressed. And honestly, I think that's one of the ones that I'm hoping we're going to see here in terms of like what, what happened to all those clones and why is it that by the time we get to A New Hope uh, or even Rogue One... It is now actual like people in those stormtrooper uniforms. 
I thought it had been something that was addressed in Clone Wars. That's why I was um, trying to refresh my memory. But mm-hmm. also in the in the Battlefront Two video game for PlayStation Two, there okay. was a there was a mission in that game where so you're playing as the five hundred first, and there's a part in the story where it's stormtrooper versus clone troopers, right? Because okay. they're trying to wipe out the rest of the clones. And the mm. and the and the clones' mission at that point is to destroy as much of Camino as they possibly can, to like right. so to to stop the the manufacturing of other clones because there's some who are just kind of like still with the Republic. I'm sure that game's not mm. canon, but that yeah. was one of the few <laughs> things that addressed that storyline of right trying right. to wipe out the facility and kind of leave the Empire with like having to deal with real humans again. It yeah, might- like, I think. Uh, I was just going to say it might not be canon, but it is the superior Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and I um, I know that in uh, another Star Wars show, Rebels, they do meet some older clones who kind of were able to escape Order 66 and all of that. Mm-hmm. And and I think they talk about like a lot of the clones being hunted down and stuff like that. But I, I think so I think we've had hints at the story, but we've never gotten like the full story. Um, yeah, because they're so kind I, of in retirement. And it's like the the Empire's keeping eyes on them just to make sure that they're not acting out of line and just waiting for them to die off. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where we go with that story. It's also fascinating. Yeah, I I, I think that's one thing that I think is so good about this show is just that we have so much of... You're right, this is the time period from, you know, the end of when, uh, you know, the Padme's babies are born and, and everyone goes into hiding... We know almost nothing about this period. We've had the Kenobi book, which talks about what he's doing 10 years, 15 years later. Or no, actually, it's a couple years later. But we've had very little about the actual process of the transition to the Empire. Yeah, Solo and, and Rogue One have been like our our best little um, like snapshots into that, that time period at all. But they're, they're pretty right. self-contained. Right. And, and Rogue Rebel- One takes place... Before A New Hope, but like 20 hours before A New Correct, Hope. Correct, yeah. It's like right on the, the precipice, end, yeah. Five minutes before A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So in terms of on-screen, Rebels is probably the closest thing being like, what, eight, nine years after the Empire started? I think I think Rebels is actually um, 15 years. It's about five years before oh, wow. the Battle of Yawn, if I remember correctly. Because it's like the start mm. of the Rebellion and whatnot. Right, exactly. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's going to be really cool being able to dive into, and the the video game is kind of what influences my my interest in the ground level action and why I was so mm-hmm. fascinated with Rogue One, because as much as I love lightsabers and the Force and all that stuff, I'm never not going to want it. But the storytelling of what happens on the ground and the everyday people and actually like yeah. watching your comrades like go down and stuff like that, this show being able to touch into a lot of that and Clone Wars touching into a lot of that is what's really got me hyped up because there's so much storytelling to do and i know on the podcast you've mentioned that the movies have done a poor job of displaying how big the world actually is and that's what mandalorian is kind of trying to do and this is something that i'm excited to see is more of the everyday boots on the ground type stuff yeah i i think that's so well put because i i think that's exactly how i feel like i the Star, the, the Skywalker saga is a great story, but it, it always leaves out sort of that wide angle lens of like what's mm-hmm. actually happening, you know. And I, I love that Mandalorian does that, and I love that. Yeah, I like Man in the Street stories. You know, I like the stories of like in the Clone Wars TV show, 
you find both people who like really buy into the legend of the Jedi and like, Ooh, it's the Jedi. And others who are like, who are these damn Jedi? I don't, they're arrogant yeah. and dumb, you know? And uh. like part of what I think is very interesting in some of the last episodes of the, of the Clone Wars is that you can see that by that time, Palpatine has like manufactured a number of events that have caused the public to really lose trust in the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And where like, I remember when I watched uh, Revenge of the Sith, I was sort of like, why would the general public just be fine with all of a sudden the Jedi? And then you watch Clone Wars, and you're like, oh, okay. No, they have done enough to make the Jedi like look fairly like, you know, not trustworthy and, and alien and different. And, and maybe the public would go along with Order 66. I think the motto of Clone Wars is just, oh, okay, at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the Bad Batch uh, specifically. Um, J. Scotty, give us, give us a quick rundown from what you remember of... Um, who are the Bad Batch? Like, first of all, just where do they come from and who, like, we'll get into the individuals themselves, but, like, what's the story of who they are and where they come from? So, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's Commander Cody that uh, gives us the context that he's worked with them before and they, they have a 100% um, success rate with their missions before we even see them on screen. So, there's there's kind of this, their reputation precedes them. And right. then uh, when we do finally get introduced to them, they the re, they kind of fly in with pretty recklessly like into a, a completely loaded landing zone and almost like take things <laughs> out and just kind of like you already know what you're in store for and they've got this like they're locked and loaded with this this story about why they're late um oh, mm-hmm. what was the I don't have the planet off the top of my head but it sounds like they were uh, arguing about whether or not they were being swarmed or or attempted to be mated with by what it yep. sounds like an insectoid species of some yeah. kind. So <laughs> because they uh, killed off the queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- yeah. There's a very sort of devil. Like you've seen these guys in a hundred action movies. You know they are the Tony Stark. They are the oh. the, the the Maverick from Top Gun. They are the mm-hmm. folks who are just like, eh, I don't the, care. I'll get it done. The They're leader, the Expendables. The leader yeah. Rex is is. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. He looks like John Rambo, like down yeah. down to the red bandana. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, and, and the way the story is explained, we don't really get much about it, but it's that they're all they were all kind of like bad, you know, factory defects. You defective, know, part of the right, yeah. yeah, part of the point of the clones is that they're all exactly the same, and each of these ones is. They have a defect, but in almost every – it's kind of like mutations, you know, X-Men. Like all of them are – one of them is that it's he's freakishly big. and or One of them is that he's very big and that's very strong. One of it is that he has just remarkable um, – you know, he's like the dead shot of this universe. Right. One of them is, you know, incredibly – that's a, a wrecker. Uh, cr- uh, crosshair. Crosshair. Uh, and then one of them, it just has like incredibly heightened senses. And so he's a uh, hunter. Right. And then the last one is just, I think, brilliant and kind of a tech nerd. And so he's tech. Correct. The names are kind of on the nose, but you can see how they become kind of nicknames. Yeah. I mean, I'm really awful with names and their descriptions kind of make it makes it easier to remember, especially with Star Wars and everything being uh, verbal mumbo jumbo. So I'm glad yeah. they went really <laughs> easy with these names. Yeah, yeah definitely. I and, mean, it helps. Uh, and not to get too sidelined here, but Zuhair already mentioned like a, a great classic Star Wars uh, video game. But with this this group of four brothers, again, like I made the comparison to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles already, but uh, it did remind me of the video game Republic Commando, in which you got mm. to like spend time with a quartet of specialized clones. And the reason I bring that up is because. I can't remember a single one of, of those clones' names. As great as they were, it is <laughs> yeah. it is a wise decision on the, on the part of, of the Bad Batch to kind of stick to, to simple names that 
remind you, you of who exactly they are and, and what they do. And I'll say also, Republic Commando is based on a series of books, also Ooh. called Republic Commando. Cool. Uh, and in those, part of what they establish is the idea of, like, there's kind of these elite troopers who are, you know, kind of, like, much more trained than the clones. And um, there's a kind of great backstory of them. Like, there is a group of, like, clone rejects who weren't properly you know, cloned and like a Mandalorian like trainer helps adopt them. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's clearly that, you know, there's one more time where like the legends can, and definitely is like seeping back in here. Sure. Um, Sure. Though I know also uh, in doing the research for this, I, I was wondering if this was like a new story because it came out, you know, just in this most recent season, but this goes all the way back to um, uh, Lucas had actually wanted this idea. His concept of it was kind of like a clones dirty dozen, you know, these are like, they're kind of like anti-heroes. You know, they're the Suicide Squad. They're the, like, they're, you know that they're not great guys, but you know that they'll get the job done and see a cheer for them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely feel that that, that through line has mm-hmm. uh, evolved, but it it's the essence of that is, is still very much there. Yeah, especially with Crosshair with the toothpick, like, constantly out of the yeah. side of his mouth. Very, <laughs> very much Clint Eastwood vibes there. Uh, he's my least favorite. I think they intentionally make him kind of prickly and unlikable, but I like him for that reason. And... Yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting group. I found that I, um, I, I kind of have the same feeling you are that the, when I first heard about this show, I wasn't like jumping out of my chair excited because these aren't the characters who I was the most like, oh my gosh, I need to see more of them. Um, in the first couple episodes of them, I thought they were kind of a little bit one note in that like, you know, Wrecker wrecks things and tech is really smart and things like that. And mm-hmm. To me, it's more that once we though get to really see the the camaraderie between the four of them, uh, as well as I think it's important that we say that there's going. I I think it's pretty clear that there's now a fifth member of their group. Um, yes. Do you remember enough about the story of Echo to kind of bring us up to speed on that? Well, I mean, uh, I'll go ahead and since I, I'm coming fresh off the episodes, I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, Echo uh, had a past with Rex, and Rex believed him to have uh, been killed but he was actually taken captive by the Techno Union, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And they were basically using him as like a living computer to create this algorithm. I guess the fact that he was a a clone, the the brain structure could be manipulated to create this algorithm in which they could predict the attack pattern of of most clones. And it was really becoming the undoing of the Republic. But basically this this four-episode arc um, that we get introduced to the Bad Batch is the rescue of of Echo and his eventual incorporation into the the batch. Right. The one thing that I want to add is that he was specifically one of the clones that was working with Rex, so he was familiar yeah. with the way that Rex thinks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, and then I think one of the things the show establishes though is that because he has now been through this horrifically traumatic experience and been hooked up to a computer for so long, he doesn't really feel like he can be a normal clone again. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why the Bad Batch adopts him. Because they're sort of like, yeah, you're now, you kind of are a Bad Batch now. You're not just a regular clone. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets kind of like, he's the outsider, but he's going to kind of get integrated into the group in the course of the story. There was a lot of dialogue about that, too, throughout the episodes. Of mm-hmm. them saying it's like, oh, that's really ballsy for a regular. Or, oh, a regular wouldn't do something like that. Or, wow, you're pretty strong for a regular. So... Yeah, they, they, there was foreshadowing like right right off the bat as soon as uh, mm-hmm. Echo started interacting with them. Yeah, hmm. well, and that's also why I kind of call them the Tony Stark of this, you know, because they're super arrogant. Like they mm-hmm. definitely think that they are like better than all the regulars, and the regulars are kind of terrible. Like not terrible, but they're like okay, you know, 
you're, you're, you're the junior officers. We're, we're, the, we're the heavy hitters. Uh, and I think that's going to be a fun thing to see them explore, especially when... Because my understanding is, and I haven't seen um, as many of the trailers as you all have, and we'll get more into spoilers in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but my understanding is that... Uh, well, actually, let me give a bit of background, too. For those who haven't seen the show, one of the things that the show does, especially in this last season, but also somewhat in earlier seasons, is explain to us why the clones turned on the Jedi so quickly. And mm-hmm. what they explain is that as part of the creation of the clones, they all had this microchip inserted into their brains that basically meant that, like, when they heard the words, you know, initiate Order 66, it would sort of click in and they would just become, you know, like, completely obedient, kill the Jedi. Right. Um, and I, I think the, the, like, the concept of the show is that as part of them being, like, not properly programmed and not properly made, that they don't have that chip. Uh, is that is that you guys understand? Like, I, I guess, maybe we don't know. Maybe that's going to be part of the the point of the show is them wrestling with that. But that's really what what I'm guessing going in here. Part of me wants to think that when they got the execute order, that it was more of a suggestion. Like something started ringing in their head. Is like we should probably kill this Jedi. Uh, no, no, I don't want to do that because that's time. That, that seems to be their type of uh, mo. Right. And as heartbreaking as it is, the the flip side of the coin is that I kind of want them to have done Execute Order 66 and see an awesome battle oh, wow. sequence of them going <laughs> toe-to-toe with Jedis and still yeah. being 100% on their mission. Yeah. As gut-wrenching as that would be, you have to admit that would look amazing. And I will say, apparently, the, the trailer does address this in some way. And so... Um, I, I think I have not watched the trailer. I think Jay Scotty has. Uh-huh. Uh, what we're planning to do with this is I think a lot of folks are like me and you want to go into the show without seeing any trailers. So this is going to have like no spoilers from the trailers until the end when we're going to pause. I will quickly watch the trailer and then we'll do kind of a, a spoiler discussion of that. So if some of you watch the trailer and are like, you idiots, this question's already been answered. That's yeah. why. We're just kind of doing a, a no spoiler uh, well, version of this first. E- even um, compartmentalizing the knowledge that I have from the trailer, I, I will say in the context of the four episodes here, I think what what gives credence to the fact that I, I don't think that they, they probably participate in Order 66 is the fact that uh, speaking to that algorithm that, that I mentioned before that was generated from Echo, I think uh, the it's... Uh, what was it? Trench? The, was it Admiral Trench? I can't remember his ranking, but the Arachnid... Yeah, the yeah. Separatist commander, like a big bug who R- controls that part of the Separatist forces. Right. He's pretty upset because they were, he he believes that the algorithm should have been able to predict what they were going to do. And it just kind of shows that they're operating on a completely different level. If you didn't already know that based on, you know, um, I, I did want to bring up that awesome scene where they get to work uh, in complete unison. You know, you get Wrecker picks up the piece of, of wreckage and, and salvage and uses that as a shield. And, like, they progress up the battlefield and, like, they all get to use like their particular skill sets, but they do it as a team. It's you mentioned Tony Stark, but it definitely does have a like Avengers kind of feel. You got the heavy yeah. hitter, the specialist, the ranged person, and then the, the tactical leader. So yeah. I mean they're a great D and D party. Like yeah, they would exactly. do really well on missions. You know, they've got like, a nice balance of skills there. Yeah. Right? Um, I fully expect the Bad Batch video game to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing a lot of Young Justice coverage too, and it, there's a lot of similarities and just kind of like the outcasts. Yeah. finally mm-hmm. coming together as a team and after after a time jump seeing how they just like snap their fingers and understand what the other person is thinking and doing and being able to maneuver around that and have this unspoken language yeah the clones have it to an extent but they just have it to a whole new like almost on the on the same part as the jedi yeah 
No, I, th- I think it's very true, and I think especially because like the clones, like you said, they they have some individualism, but they all fight as like you know a hundred thousand soldiers marching forward in perfect unison and firing in perfect unison. You know, mm-hmm. they can do some individual tactics, but I think nothing like what these guys do. And yeah, sure. Um, th- there's some action movie I saw many years ago, I, I, and I have no idea what this was from, and maybe it's just a trope that I've seen a bunch of times. But it's basically where like the enemy has some like brilliant strategic leader, and the no one can figure out how to outsmart them until along comes this like ragtag group who are like, look, we're going to do the thing that everyone thinks is way too dumb to ever try. But we're right. going to do it, and they're going to be like, no one ever – I'm not going to plan for that. No one will be stupid enough to try that. But these guys try it, and they do it. That to me yeah. is like exactly who the Bad Batch are. You know, It's like they're like – they're going to do the absolutely off-the-wall, devil-may-care – I'm sure this is going to get us all killed, but, you know, like, the, the Bad Batch are the hold-my-beer folks of the clones. Like, that's exactly who they are. Is it yeah, bad yeah. I thought of the first Fantastic Four movie as you were describing that? I, I have not seen either. No, <laughs> I, I saw about 40 minutes of the second Fantastic Four movie uh, mm. when I was in a very bad place in my life. And I no. I think even without that, would not have good memories of it from everything <laughs> I've heard. Um, uh, but I, I haven't even seen the first. Sorry to be that nerd, but I, I do have to clarify. When you say the first Fantastic Four movie, a lot of people uh, don't acknowledge that there was a 1994 Roger Corman Fantastic Four yeah, that never saw the light of day, <laughs> but it's out there, and I highly recommend it. Oh, okay. Oh, it's like it was never released in theaters, but you can find like the the Corman cut. Somewhere? Correct. Correct. Nice. Yeah, it was a it was a rights Correct. thing. Yeah, they basically made the movie to hold on to the rights, but. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense because Hollywood's stupid. But yeah, I, right. <laughs> I understand that that's what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. So, so what else do we know about the Bad Batch? What else do you think is important to kind of br- for bringing people up to speed? And then we'll get into like what we're hoping for from the these, this show coming out. Hmm. In regards to their dynamic, uh, I I binged the four episodes like right before we started recording, and one of the things that's really interesting about the personalities is I don't think they consider themselves clones. And I yeah. think that's a lot of what this show is going to cover because they call the other clones regulars and this and that. And we talk about how the clones are trying to establish their own identity when in reality they're not too far apart from the person next to them. But the whole thing about the Bat is like, yeah, they mostly sound the same, but they're so far off of how they were designed that they essentially are just normal people with particular skill sets. Right, they're not. Their faces look fairly different. They're radically different sizes. They're not all like the exact same height and weight the way the clones are mm-hmm. uh, uh, themselves. And I also want to point out. I, I wanted to kind of use this as a, a segue moment for a second. Uh, it, it, you say that like the Bad Batch all sound kind of the same. I didn't hear that to the point where, as I mentioned before, this guy D. Bradley Baker, an incredible voice actor. Oh, he's he voices, prolific. Yeah, he vo- and he voiced all the clones in the show. And to give you an idea, like. He's a huge part in Star Wars, the Clone Wars. It's not even one of the first things listed on his IMDb page because he's done so much else, too. Sure. But in this, he, but the voices of the, the Bad Batch are so distinct mm-hmm. that I thought for sure they must have gotten different actors in. And like, it makes sense. Like, they're, they're different people. Maybe they have different vocal cords. Nope. It's still him. And if you look at the cast, he is just, he is going to play all the clone voices. And honestly, it's a reason why I'm excited to see it because I think, like, Generally, if you told me that most of a movie, most of a TV show was going to be one guy talking to himself, I'd be like, that can't uh, With D. Bradley Baker, it 100% can. Like, he's just that good of a voice actor. Their dynamic is really interesting, too, in the sense that they are the rebellious type and will do things our way. 
But Hunter is very respectful when it comes to, like, his commanding officers. Yeah. Like, he'll be like, hey, respectfully, sir, we got this. Don't worry about it. Or when his own guys will act out of line, then he actually is the calming voice. He is the bridge. He is the middleman between who he's essentially working for and the people that he's working with. He is he's he's the voice of reason when it comes when it comes to both parties. And I like that they have that dynamic of we're not always gonna go off and do our own thing. We're not like screw you, screw the system, we do things how we want. Like there is a level of um discipline yeah. i suppose because i think it's part of the point is that they're they both do the thing that everyone thinks they're too stupid that no one would be stupid enough to try but it works like they mm-hmm. do manage they do have that 100 percent success rate that i think they're not just a bunch of screw-ups who never get anything right yeah i i do think it's worth mentioning as as um as endeared the bad batch and rex ultimately become as the through their their um, trial through through fire and combat, there is that initial butting of heads and questioning of leadership. And Zuhair, you, you mentioned you know how Rex or uh, excuse me, not Rex Hunter. He, I mean, he is such a, a great leader because he he really is the most level headed, and he's able to diffuse that situation. There's a point in time where like uh, Wrecker has Rex, you know, up by the th- is it Rex by the throat or one one of the clones up by the throat? Yeah, and uh, Crosshair is ready to take out the other one and. Rex, or uh, I keep calling him Rex, it's just because he looks like Rambo so much, it makes me think he should be called that. But uh, Hunter diffuses the situation, and then he also had that nice um, exchange with Rex <laughs> in regards to, like, tactics. They talk about, like, stealth versus just, like, kind of rushing in, right. and uh, Hunter does defer to Rex Rex's strategy, but then Rex also says, you know, I kind of like your guys' approach here. I think we just, you know, we rush in and, and, and do it uh, headstrong. So. I just can't stop laughing at Wrecker's dialogue. He's like, hey, why don't you pick on someone bigger than you? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was Crosshair and Rex that were going toe-to-toe, and then Wrecker <laughs> picks him up, and that's when Anakin was like, hey, go handle your guy, and Hunter yeah, was just yeah, on yeah. it right away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wrecker is fun, and like, there's a moment where he gets to blow something really big up, and the... I think it's Rex just says to him, here, you can do this. And he's like, this Anakin is the does. best. Anakin does. He's like, this oh, is the best day of my he's life. He's so happy about that. <laughs> he's <laughs> much crying more... Wife's tears. I, I really would like to get some more development <laughs> of his character rather than he's just the comic relief. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely going to be a thing. Oh, for um, sure. Well, uh, yeah, again, I'll, I'll be curious, you know, without um, really diving into spoilers, you know, whether or not the Bad Batch do participate in Order 66, whether they're a part of the the Empire or the New Republic or operating out, outside of that all, I do think they're going to have to change up their their approach to things. I don't think they can they can be as as headstrong and uh, as individualistic as they've been without encountering some conflict. And maybe that that maybe that will yeah. be the through line of, of the show. But I yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious how they do that, especially because and this is kind of a, a good transition to start talking about what we're sort of expecting from the show or hoping from the show. I'll start by name because I think there's so much I'm excited for. I'll start by naming like my one biggest concern. Um, and, and it's sort of the thing that I, I love the Clone Wars TV show. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. We've been reviewing it on this podcast. But I think the only real problem with the Clone Wars TV show is that it has – and I, I've talked about before how I think this is also a problem with the prequels – is that – the property of Star Wars that's in some ways talking about the most mature adult topics, you know, everything from like 
government bureaucracy to the slow moral corruption of good people to like bank loans and like international finance mm-hmm. is also part of a the show that's most explicitly aimed at kids. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And like the Bad Batch is going to be covering some topics that can be very deep and very adult. I mean, like there's no sexuality is mentioned. It'd be great if there was, but like it, 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 it but in sh- adult topics of so, like very serious topics. And then you have stuff like Wrecker, who's like a character written for an eight-year-old to enjoy. And I enjoy it too, but, you know, it's like sure. I, I'm very curious where they're going to sort of aim this show. Like, is this going to be a show that they really still want to be eight-year-old, ten-year-old friendly? Or is this meant to be for – it's more YA or even more like, you know, kind of Adult Swim. Like, you know, this is for folks who grew up in the Clone Wars, but we're covering some much more serious topics in much more nuanced ways. I, I certainly hope they, they kind of lean into that direction. Um I mean, I, being on the Animation Deliberation podcast, one of the things we say, you know, we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those things when you're, when, anytime you're dealing with animated content or even sometimes just, like, genre content like this, like, uh, there is the necessity to, to cater to a four-quadrant audience and, you know, yeah. get the most butts and seats as possible, but... I, I really think that uh, Star Wars has succeeded in terms of like Rogue One and and The Mandalorian when they are you know tackling things um, in in a a a darker tone but a deft tone and it's yeah. you know I think it's a good way to put it I, yeah I, I think there's I think The Mandalorian and, and Rogue One specifically um, if they if they can find that tone it, it's it it appeals to everyone and. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd love to see the animated version of that. So, I think it's just one of those things where I'm just kind of playing it by ear. Yeah, I'm sounds. I'm not entirely sure what to expect because it is a it is a Disney Plus exclusive more than it is a Disney XD thing, right? And the dynamic of those properties kind of gives it more wiggle room. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's animated. We'll throw the things in for the kids, but I think it is meant for like high school and up. Yeah, and it's going to be addressing that audience a little more than the intent of what Disney XD was. I mean, like I always thought the gold standard for this. And you all know animation much better than I do, probably. But to me, the kind of gold standard of something that is nominally a show for kids but covers very adult content. Uh, again, every time I say that, I think I'm talking about sexuality. The term can mean a lot more than that. Um, but but a uh, an animated kids show, but that covers very deep, very dark, nuanced topics, but still is kid friendly, is a uh, Batman the Animated Series. Like oh, yeah. to me, yeah. that like I I kind of nice wish that that Clone Wars had gotten to that level. Um, mm-hmm. And and so yeah, if this could be in that place, and and I will say, if nothing else, I am one of the few kind of like child friendly things that I couldn't stand about this era that. If I understand correctly, in the Bad Batch TV show, we're not going to have, we will not hear the phrase, Roger, Roger, which to me will just automatically make it better and more mature. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I love the droid so much in Clone Wars. I guess it's just a childishness in me. That's fair. I mean, there's only there's only so much, I mean, there's I really can't take Jar Jar in this show. He is what he is in Phantom Menace. I hate all the secluded episodes, but <laughs> the stupid things the droids do. Like, even when I was doing this rewatch, I was so locked into what the Bad Batch were doing, and the droids just had some dialogue that just had me cackling. That's fair. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, like, I'm I'm the Star Wars grumpy old man. You know, I'm the fan who grew up with the with the um 
the original series and I yeah. I don't hate on like the 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 prequels but I definitely like they're not my movies and and maybe would have loved them a lot more so I, I if I'd watched them when I was younger so I'm glad we have that perspective as well you know uh, so what about you all though what are you looking forward to in the show what in, in terms of like just stuff that'll be fun or, or topics you want them to explore or anything like that no I I kind of set it up top but it, just being able to to connect all these various corners and actually get to spend time in this pocket of the Star Wars universe and this time period that we have seen so little about and, and we've always danced around like that's that's honestly what I'm just really looking forward to seeing it and seeing what exactly what role the Bad Batch plays in this whole thing are they going to be you know willing participants are they going to find a way to exist in this galactic empire are we going to find them maybe you know help plant the seeds of the of the early rebellion or are they going to be you know uh, uh conscious ob- objectors like are they going to be more han solo types i yeah that's that's honestly what i'm really just excited to see and just how we, we talk about how star wars for so long has had a, you know um the lens just primarily focused on the star Wars, or the, excuse me the skywalker saga and the Sky- skywalker family and even in you know the four episodes we, we've been kind of discussing here, Anakin was was very much present for a lot of that. So I, I'm just super excited to see the Star Wars universe and galaxy continue to um, grow and and expand. That's what yeah. I'm excited for. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that, especially that last part. Yeah, I'm going to refer to one of our affiliate casts. I was listening to. Binger's Assembles and they're covering the monster movies and Mm -hmm. one of the interesting things that they say is that they have the human stories in those movies Mm -hmm. to give perspective and kind of like be what gives the direction to what the monsters are doing and what where they are Mm -hmm. and that that's kind of what I want the Bad Batch to be is I want this to be a post execute order 66 show that happens to have the Bad Batch in it. Oh, that's a great I, way to think of it. Hmm. I don't want it to be too focused. I, I'm interested in the story. I'm interested in what they want to do. But I want them to be a, a placeholder to kind of give us an idea of what this bigger picture is. And the the whole thing that I said earlier about I really want to see a scene of the Bad Batch uh, going toe-to-toe with Jedi, I, I'm kind of wanting it a little more now because revenge of the sith made it seem like execute order 66 happened in a couple of hours and they were successful but as we've seen with star wars rebels and um what's the what's the newest video game oh um, yeah i'm playing it through right fallen now. order uh, fallen order fallen order yeah, we Cal see Kestis. that yeah we see the the rise of the Inquisitors and that Jedi have been in hiding and some have changed their identity to just... They've kind of given up on being Jedi. We know that Ahsoka is still out there. We know Obi-Wan's still out there. So I... I Grogu's kind of want to... somewhere, right? Sorry? I'm so, sorry, I, I shouldn't have cut you off. I was just making a Grogu joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's out there too. Um, but I do kind of want to see the storyline of, yeah, we're dealing with the transition of republic to empire but the jedi are still out there they're still operating um there's still hints of the rebellion there's still people in the republic who don't want to transfer they they don't see the benefit of this 
I do want to see clones starting to train humans and maybe working together in like a joint faction, knowing that the clones are going to be dying off soon. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing of like the Jedi are still a problem at this point and we still need to hunt them, I think is something that they could cover. If not for the whole 14 episodes, maybe like two or three of them. Like if that'd be like a partial arc. Yeah. Um, I'm there. There's a big picture and I just want the Bad Batch to be what navigates through this whole uh, point of time in the Star Wars universe. Okay, I, I'm I'm sorry to jump in here, but as Zuhair was was speaking, I was kind of reminded of one thing I would like to see, and uh, I am backpedaling a little bit because I just talked about how wanting to see things outside of of the Skywalkers. But given the fact that the Bad Batch did have this interaction with uh, Anakin Skywalker, it would be kind of cool if at some point during the course of of this show, maybe they have an interaction with Darth Vader. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe he can actually, like, he senses, like, he knows that he's encountered them before. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I definitely think that would be an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm sort of torn on that, because, like, A, I would love that. B, I kind of like, though, the idea that they're so far, like, beneath the radar that, that no one on that level comes close to them. But, you know... That's fair, it, too. Even if it's just, like, you know, they're kind of, like, watching in a crowd while he, like, you know, leads a public execution. Oh, there you go. Wow, I got like a yeah. there. But, yeah, you know, something cool. like that. Um, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, and I, I or even like, if it's Vader Palpatine dialogue, because I imagine Vader's still getting used to his lack of appendages at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely right. true. Definitely true. Uh, hopefully, he's uh, figuring out a better way to say no than he did in uh, Rogue One. But, yeah, uh, yeah, Echo can help him with that. Or not Rogue One, Return, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm where you are. I, I'm. I would. I. I am looking forward to seeing the dynamics between them, like them becoming. Echo becoming more part of the group and them all having to adjust to, like, not being the badass hot shots anymore and, and their new role. But also, Zahir, I really like what you said about, I just want this to be them kind of being, like, the eyewitness, like, they're the point of view characters while we get to see, like, what happened to the Senate, you know? Like, were there other senators yeah. who were like, F mm-hmm. you, this doesn't work and got executed or, you know, what's the, like... I, I've joked before that, like, me and uh, Riki, one of the two hosts, one of the two co-hosts I have on the uh, shows about the Clone Wars, we both want to see like the full episodes of all the bureaucratic, financial, and political wrangling. It's not yeah. what most fans want to see, and I don't think we get too much of that here. But I'd love to get a little bit of it, you know, yeah, just to see like what, how's that transition? You know, what's what happened to the Trade Federation? What happened to, you know, all these different political alliances under the Republic? Yeah, I think all that stuff is fascinating. It definitely paints a bigger picture. I mean, as For much sure. as I love the the action stuff, um, they they do such a good job at like. At keeping me engaged with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I would um, suggest here. Oh, go ahead, Scotty. I was just gonna say I'm always on on board for you know getting more nuance and and context to the actual political proceedings, so they don't seem so um, just there to to create a, a backdrop for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's a very good way to put it. Right. Folks, I think that's about all we're gonna say. Um, uh, about what we know about it without the trailers. In a minute, we're going to go into a spoiler section uh, where we're going to discuss what we see in the trailers. For anybody who doesn't want to watch that, um, uh, feel free to take off now. But but to make sure they hear it all, uh, you guys, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Animation Liberation and what you're doing there and where people can find it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, again, thanks for the opportunity. It's awesome to be able to collaborate. It's one of the things I love most about being a part of the 
Stranded Panda Network is uh, getting to interact definitely, with great definitely. folks like yourself and and have have this level of collaboration between the shows. But yeah, we are the Animation Deliberation Podcast that is hosted by myself and uh, my friend here, Zuhair Ali, and we are the the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously. And uh, yeah, so we've been covering uh, the show was actually born out of just a conversation between the two of us. Uh, Zuhair recommended the stellar show Young Justice to me, so. Um, we just kind of started by covering that, and uh, from there we've we've got no lack of content. There's already just a backlog of so many great a- animated yep. action shows, but now we've got An- Invincible um, on Amazon releasing every Friday, so we've been doing our coverage of that, and it's been stellar. Yeah, and it's, it's just been a really good time, so I, I encourage you guys to find us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's uh, Animation Deliberation Podcast, and uh, if you want to hit us up uh with any feedback or anything like that it's at animation podcast at uh animation podcast at gmail.com and zoo hairs or anything you want to say about the show because i mean you're just as much part of it as i am <laughs> yeah we really do appreciate all the feedback that you guys have been giving us um if there's anything that you want to see on the action level feel free to shoot us an email um but yeah jay scotty nailed most of it and i'm just super excited to talk star wars animation Hell awesome yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to your episodes. Uh, I haven't watched Invincible yet, so I haven't listened to those, but I love Young Justice. I, I watched it meaning to talk about it, and we never got around to it, so I'm so glad you guys are doing that. <laughs> uh, and maybe sometime I can jump on with you all and talk about the ethics of, of that show. That would um, be great. But yeah, oh, I have a list of things I want to talk to you about that. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, and, and what we're going to get into in the trailers is I'll also say I, I am very much not a visual person, so I think there's an awful lot about the visual, like, the way the show is animated that I'm going to miss. And so, especially when we talk about the trailers, but then also going forward, I'm really excited to have you all around to talk about it. So, uh, folks, definitely subscribe to their podcast. They're doing great stuff. Subscribe to everything else that's on the Stranded Panda Network. Of course, my podcasts are part of the Ethical Panda. So if you want to uh, give me, uh, give us feedback or, or write into us, let us know what you think about this show, what you're excited about, what you're not excited about, what you're confused about. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at the Ethical Panda. You can also email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And, of course, you can also um, find all the information at the Stranded Panda Podcast Network uh, by going to thestrandedpanda.com or join the Stranded Panda group on Facebook where we have great chats about all this stuff. So uh, for all of you who are not wanting to hear the trailers, thank you so much and have a great day. And we will be back, to a spoiler- we will be back with a spoiler section in three, two, one. Oh, my God, Tarkin is back. <laughs> I'm and- so excited! Yeah. Saw Gerrera as well. Saw Gerrera's back. Uh, Fennec Shand, uh, mm-hmm, who's become a really popular mm-hmm. character from the uh, Mandalorian, played by Ming Ming-Na Wen. Ming Na Wen, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Is going to be there. Oh. All right, so let's talk about what did you guys see in these trailers? Well, uh, yeah, right off the bat, you, you mentioned Tarkin, and uh, he has some dialogue that I think is pretty pointed and, and uh, telling. He talks about how effective, uh, you know, Clone Force 99 is, but they are they are disobedient and have a problem following orders. So right. we were just kind of like speculating, or do they participate in Order 66? Well, um, obviously they, they have a history of having a hard time following orders as far as he's concerned. So Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly in this, we see at first Tarkin talking about them as like people he's commanding, and then right. later he's giving the command to wipe them out. So Yeah, and then Rector's th- like, is that all you got? Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, let me just start with, like, on the animation side, because, again, I think you all know this better than I do. 
the original Clone Wars it was a very good show in a lot of ways. It was also made in like the early 2000s. The animation mm-hmm. style was not always the best. Uh, a lot of it looks mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, bad video games from that time period. Am I right that this anime? I mean, granted, it's 15 years later, so of course it is, but the animation in this looked incredible. Is, is that a fair oh, assessment? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I really like the character designs. They are um, stylized and simplified. Sim, uh, mm-hmm. simp, I, I don't think that's the right word. Simplified. They're just like, simp, simplified. Thank you. I don't know why <laughs> I had such a hard time with that word. It's a pretty simple word, simplified. But there's so much fidelity and detail to these renders. Like, the textures are, are so tactile and like the hair has so much texture to it and all the, the cloth and like, uh, especially the environments are so detailed and the particle effects and uh, the damage that you see done from blasters and explosions and whatnot. It's, it's super impressive and it, it gives so much weight to all the action and the proceedings going forward. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm really ex- excited to see it's almost like a, a um, cinematic and, and movie level feel to it for sure. Yeah, after watching Young Justice and Invincible for so long, like, they don't have much of a gradient set in their colors. Like, it's just straight one-tone yellow, one-tone blue, one-tone red type of stuff. So there mm-hmm. is a lot of... They're they're honoring the style that they've used all these years, but they've added just a whole new level of uh, detail and clarity and just the very minute things, like you said, like the hair and the way the body moves and Mm -hmm. when i was watching the bad batch episodes i was thinking for lack of a better word like is as awesome as the action scenes were they seemed clunky yeah and you can tell that that was probably part of like the old regime and when they did the last four episodes of clone wars it's the you could tell just by the opener i was like this is different They've put oh, yeah. a lot more work into this. There's been more detail into this. This is what we're getting out of Disney+. And you're seeing that level of fluidity being transferred into what's going to be the whole season of the show. And I am so excited for it. I mean, there's a lightsaber battle in the last couple episodes. And I don't want to say it's between, in case people haven't seen the rest of uh, Season 7 of The Clone Wars. Although, definitely, I recommend you should. Right. But I would honestly put it in the top five, if not top three, lightsaber battles in all of Star Wars. Like, it's Agreed. just incredibly Ooh. animated and incredibly well done. Agreed. Yeah. So so what else? Well, so I think I a think couple of... Oh, Scotty, you were going to say something? Well, I was just going to say even kind of like dialing it back from this, this trailer in particular. Like, Zuhair, you're talking about the action um, from those four episodes being a little clunky. And while I, I can concede that a little bit, one of the things I, I did appreciate about it and one of the things I'll, I'll definitely be looking forward to the show is when you're working with an animated series, one of the benefits is you don't have the same constraints that you do with a live-action property, not only from the the budget, but the way you're able to position the camera. So I, I just really love that boots-on-the-ground feel, like you're able to like basically put the camera like right on a person's hip, mm-hmm. so you almost have like this holster feel to it, like running through the battlefield. And, and we got a couple shots like that in the, in the trailer, so I, I'm just really excited to... to see what they're able to how they're able to up, up the ante in, in terms of uh of that like camera placement and cinematography and choreography like you guys are speaking to so yeah my favorites my favorite scene in the four bad batch episodes from clone wars was when the four of them went in for the breach and the camera was like behind them over the shoulder and you're like following them down the hallway and like panning mm-hmm. over to see what one team's doing and then moving over and like stuff like that was so cool on the Disney XD side of things, and I'm I'm really excited to see what it's like when they have like a blank check to just 
uh, go all out yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's true. Right? Like when you're talking about the clunkiness, to me, it, what it really reminds me of, especially in those Bad Batch episodes, uh, is it, it reminds me of like cutscenes in video games. You know, where just like it's it, the characters are moving, but it looks like that they're kind of like pre-animated. This looks realistic. I mean, it's animated yeah. clearly, but like the the explosions and the space battles, like it just looked like anything you would see on screen and the technology is there but obviously they're spending a lot of money on it so i'm super excited for that of course so in terms of some of the story stuff we get so i think clearly i kind of like these trailers because they don't tell us they give us the broad details but they don't tell us too much it feels like Mm. tarkin is probably going to be our kind of like main antagonist like you're right maybe we'll get palpatine a bit maybe we'll get vader a bit but i i think because Tarkin especially, like, one thing we saw a lot from him in the Clone Wars TV show was, A, him sort of, like, not thinking the clones were the right kind of soldiers needed. But also right. he was constantly saying that the Jedi were bad generals because they weren't willing to be ruthless. And hmm. there's, there's one very chilling scene in the Clone Wars where Anakin agrees with him. And you're like, oh, I, I see what's happening here. Um, mm. But, yeah, like, I think that that's a really interesting dynamic to see is with, with Tarkin as sort of the big bad, I'm – you know, he's great in A New Hope, but we never really got enough of him, and so I'm really looking forward to him here. Yeah, um, other than Tarkin, like, the the character that seemed to get the most dialogue was Hunter, and he's he's talking about the squad themselves, and he says, you know, we're nothing but trouble, and it looks like he's he might be talking to several different people there, mm-hmm. uh, but we get the job done, so it kind of makes me wonder, is, like, this team going to go through their dire straits? Are we going to see them disbanded and kind of, like, do their own thing and then come back together when the time's right. Um, we got a few shots of this young blonde girl that uh, it seems like they are, you know, rescuing or or transporting or, or giving safe passage to or something. That's that's all I'm able to extrapolate from from these particular trailers. I don't know if you guys had any further insights as far as Hunter or this this young girl goes. I'm going to mention two things off of uh, what you just said. The first off, uh, you said that Hunter seems like he's talking to groups of people. I'm really hoping that there's scenes where the higher command is doing a mission debrief with Hunter. So you can see him explain his perspective and maybe the the commanding officer for the people he's working with are giving their perspective on like, we were trying to do this and these dumbasses went out here and did this and that and blah, 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 which is like, well, we got the job done, didn't we? So I, you can't I want to handle s- the truth. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want to see the action scenes, I want to see the the aftermath. Yeah. Because it's not heat of the moment of them actually talking about why they did what they did and what the mission actually was and how it went through and why they want to use the bad batch, but like obviously it's causing rifts between here and there because they're not working with clones anymore. So they're actually hurting people's feelings, and right. there's hmm. there's not as much of a compliancy when there's when you're working with people as much as when you're working with uh, other clones. So there's that, that backlash. The second thing that I want to bring up is the girl that you brought up. The first time we see her was in Kamino. And that was the thing that I wanted. I was like, what happened with Kamino? What happened with the reproduction of the clones? And it looks like we're going to be seeing a lot of that. And I feel like she's going to be a key to a lot of that too, which is why they're probably trying to get her out of there. Also a bow and arrow that just flips over and has like a little like lightsaber material looking string. That looks awesome. I'm very okay. excited to see some some Star yeah. Wars archery. I'm I'm looking yeah, forward right. to that. Uh, uh, you know, my first thought I have to admit was, oh, we get a kid in this. Okay, so it will be a kids show. 
<laughs> but honestly, from everything else, it looked like, you know, it, it's a Stranger Things kind of a use of kid, not a, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because it did look like, I mean, there's some, some really interesting stuff. It didn't look like it was like dumbing things down at all. Um, and I'll, the one other thing that I'll say is, and I don't know if this is about this kid or not, the the something I've read online a couple of places, and it might be complete nonsense, it might be fairly accurate, is that apparently there's been some some hints and some spoilers or whatever of the idea that part of what they are going to be doing by the time they're like doing like their real mission toward the end of the season is basically trying to like smuggle out young force sensitive kids who are like the empires trying to hunt down. Um, And so like maybe she's one of those or maybe she just like, you know, can help them lead them to those. I'm not sure, but uh, that could definitely be an interesting dynamic as well. You talk would... about not wanting to see the the kid. I'm kind of getting young Ezra vibes out yeah, of this. That could hmm. definitely work. Ezra, so uh, I just Scotty, like, what we're saying? Er, Ezra, well, I, I have two things. Uh, Ezra is a character for um, from Rebels, one of the main stars of Rebels, yes. who we meet as yes. kind of like a teenager. Sorry, just yeah. got to go ahead. No, no, you're good. I had two things I wanted to say about um, this this child, and the first one was what you brought up about you know the potential of them um, finding force sensitive children. That's a great opportunity. Again, I talked about how one of my hopes for the series is just tying the various um, different parts of the the Star Wars universe back together. And we brought up that great video game Fallen Order, and uh, spoilers for that game. But one of the the major parts of that. St- or you're, you said you're in the middle of playing it, huh? Yeah, how, how, I'm about sixty percent of the way through the game. How how much of a, how big of a spoiler is it? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of I'll I'll kind of hold off on that then okay. for you. It's a great game, so enjoy it, and it's got a great story. Okay. Uh, but what the other thing I wanted to say about this young girl is we do see um, her hairstyle change just in the few little snippets that we see. So I'm wondering, is this a like significant passage of time? Or could it be something like in the case, like you already made the Stranger um, Things comparison there, maybe she just needs to, to change her hairstyle and, and appearance in that regard. But Oh, that's cool. I do wonder about the, the passage of time because, as you, Harry, you mentioned her firing a bow and arrow, and I got, uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Gears of War series, but you have a, an arc bow in that that it, was, it really reminded me of. Oh, nice. And uh, she seems like a much more competent, willing participant mm-hmm. in the proceedings just in the small exchanges we got there when we yeah, ha- I got destiny vibes off of it yeah oh cool yeah. when we have seen bows and arrows used by uh the night sisters in in the clone wars and they were a group of like they're actually from the planet that darth maul is from dathomir oh yeah right and they're right. um they're they're force sensitive and they use the force on the dark side but they're not the sith and there's all this stuff about like is it magic is it force etc but yeah so that's and it, it looks like this position's not like connected to them it's a very different color scheme uh they were all mm-hmm. red reds and blacks but definitely it looks like that could be a, a fun little thing I'm like yeah that f- these like kind of like somewhat force uh uh controlled bows and arrows or maybe it's just like a laser bow and arrow you know but either way it could be pretty <laughs> awesome to see yeah. i i will also i just do need to make a quick point um i think that the story involved in star wars fallen order is fantastic here oh, i'm gonna incredible. be a grumpy old yeah. man the fact that they're putting so much uh really interesting story in a platformer that doesn't have an easy mode makes me so angry because I hate <laughs> the game itself. I hate it. It is, it is, it's a game that was marketed to casual gamers that is not a game for casual gamers. Oh, I will say that. Really not. And like, okay. I, I stopped playing after I finished the first planet because it's like, I just, I, I game for story. Like, yeah. I oh. hate multiplayer games so much these days 
I just I want a good story. I want to be engaged. That's what video games. I need a I need an interactive movie basically. Yeah. And as much as I love the story that this game provides, oh my god, if I get killed by a freaking goat one more time <laughs> before I get off of this planet, then I'm I, I haven't touched the game in so long because the ghost just pissed me off to such a high extent well, in the first place. Yeah, and the, the perfect hand-eye court and just the problem-solving, it's, it's not what I enjoyed. And I'm, I'm, I think it's fantastic for those who like platformers. But to me, to put a Star Wars story and not just make it like <laughs> a simple RPG that has a story mode is just crim. Anyway, that's my own rant on a different subject entirely. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think it would be fun if we get some of that story tie-in. Like, one thing I've always thought is... I love the Mandalorian, but it feels very weird that we're getting introduced to Grogu as this, like, Jedi who was hanging around during the prequels at the Jedi Temple, but we never saw him. Which, that's fine. He was just one of many younglings. But I'd love it if, like, if they are rescuing Force-sensitive kids. I don't want to see Grogu on screen. I just want, like, one person to say, like, wait, did Grogu get out? And someone be like, oh, yeah, no, he went a different way or something like that. Just, like, some Mm -hmm. acknowledgement that we're in that same universe. Yeah. Would definitely be fun. Yeah, I think that would that would be the way to do it. Yeah. If if my theory or my my desire of the Bad Batch hunting Jedi comes to fruition, I kind of want the Inquisitors to be what replaces the Bad Batch if they break off from the Empire. Oh, it's I like, well, we need, a, we need a Jedi hunting solution now, and Vader's on his uh, robotic feet again, so yeah, maybe but... he could start training somebody to handle the job. I mean, I could see that if, like, maybe at first... Uh, Palpatine doesn't want any Force users around. He wants the idea that the Jedi are just completely gone because mm-hmm. most people don't know that he's a Force user. So yeah, that could be kind of cool for sure. Or he recruits some of the younglings. Yeah, I mean, I think we know from, among other things, that video game, but also from some other sources that most of the Inquisitors. Uh, for those, by the way, who don't know, the Inquisitors are dark side Force users who aren't like Sith because of the Rule of Two, but they are dark side Force users who are working for Darth Vader to hunt down Jedi and that many of them are former Jedi themselves, especially younglings who got like abandoned during Order 66. Yeah, I mean, I hate to to make the I mean, I, I don't I, it, I'm stumbling over my words because just because it's an op- awkward subject matter, but um, you know, Lucas did get a lot of inspiration for the original Star Wars and Stormtroopers and whatnot and the Empire from World War II and, you know, the Nazi party. And I I would compare the Inquisitors to, like, the Gestapo. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I will say also, just on that subject, I mean, they're literally called the Stormtroopers. If I understood correctly what I was seeing, it looked like we very distinctly see, at least in some of of these uh, shots, people who are very clearly Stormtroopers, not droids. Like their uniforms are different, and all the ways that the the Stormtrooper uniform looks different from the droid from the clone uniform. Did did you guys see Mm -hmm. that as well? I did. Yeah, I noticed switches. Like there were scenes where it was still clone, and there were scenes where it was still where it was a storm. So I think that's where the the uniform transition is going to happen throughout the series because they're still Mm -hmm. fighting uh, droids too. Right. So I think they're like I think this is going to handle the story of the Trade Federation too, where they're finishing off the war, uh, dealing with the droids and whatnot, and as it transitions over to setting up the empire there's going to be like a whole rebrand process and that's where the the new armor and the right. new look starts to kick in well mm-hmm. i mean we see on screen we see the moment from a different perspective people watching on tv but we see the moment where palpatine gives his speech declaring that we're no longer a republic we're now an empire so mm-hmm. what i'm guessing is that the first couple episodes will actually be set like constant like at the same time as 
Revenge of the Sith is happening. So that may be like where the droids are coming in. And then once the Trade Federation is defeated, they all go away. And then we move into the Stormtroopers or things like that. So, yeah, I think we're going to sure. get those transitions that we were talking about wanted to see. And like I said, like I love Revenge of the Sith. And the more I watch Clone Wars, the more I realize how much stuff has been clunked into making it seem like all of this happened within a day or within yeah. a few hours. So I'm liking that this is really spreading out that timeline and knowing and showing how how gritty everything actually was on the ground. Yeah. Mm. And I, I just, I want to see, for me, some of the, my favorite parts of the Clone Wars TV show are moments when Anakin or Ahsoka and others like go out into the public and realize that not all the public love the Jedi and some of them blame the Jedi for the war and some of them think the Jedi are haughty and obnoxious. And I, I want to see the Bad Batch talking to like, the local bar owner or the shopkeeper or whatever, just the guy on the street who's talking about like, yeah, I always thought the Jedi would be evil or no, I don't believe the Jedi could do this. What's this Order 66 nonsense? You know, and then stormtroopers mm-hmm. come and take that person away or something like I, I'm just really excited to see more of that, like what the world thinks of what's happening. Yeah. 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 And just like talking about the, the darker tones and like providing more context and nuance for the world, like one of the great things about like just Disney plus series in general, just outside of star Wars, you know, with the Marvel cinematic universe as well is uh, we've been able to tackle like series that, that dive into like these heavier themes. And I've got to wonder, like, even though this show is animated and, and will obviously be including, you know, younger audiences along in the proceedings, do you think it's going to tackle like some heavier themes like uh, PTSD and whatnot? Because we did get to see a character like Saw Gerrera, who's been a little more problematic in terms of his, his tactics and um, his outlooks on, on war and whatnot. And he has that exchange with Hunter again, where he says, you know, the clone wars are, are over. Like I very much got the the feeling that they're still always going to be looking for a fight. You know, they mm-hmm. are defective clones and like there may be some baggage that comes with these special gifts. Like, you know, maybe as they progress through life, these gifts are not everything that they're they're chalked up to be and, and may right. make it a little more difficult for them to blend in like they, maybe they want to. Like, you definitely get that vibe from, mm-hmm. from Hunter. He's in his civilian clothes just kind of flying around on Coruscant. Who knows what he's up to there? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing the show established is that the clones were never expected to lead normal lives, you know, and so no one's ever thought about them. They're not paid a salary mm-hmm. of any kind. They're just like – they're – they're basically like slaves, you know, and that yeah. was definitely a problem for the Jedi, especially. And kind of, like I said, it kind of corrupted them. But yeah, I think it'll be great to see these bad, like, because I think you're right. That's a very real world story of, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been exploring it well of like when you've been a warrior all your life, what happens when the war is over? Mm-hmm. And they yeah. grow faster, too, right? Yeah. Don't Regular they physically do. age faster? Yeah. Yeah. I- yeah, because I think it's a good they're, question. Yeah, we'll they're to... supposed to come to full maturity. They say in um on one of the uh, scenes in Camino that they come to full maturity in about ten years. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. So, well, we've been going on for a while. Uh, I, I I do I am going to say to our audience, my hope is that when we record in the actual episodes, we're going to keep them a lot shorter. Try to keep it to about like thirty <laughs> minutes or so, which probably means <laughs> forty, but we'll try to keep it short. Uh, but do you have any kind of last comments you want to say before we wrap up? I, I think I'm okay. Uh, again, I'm just excited for this this whole show and, and the opportunity to get to discuss it with you guys. And it's again, I, I say it on all the shows that I pop up on, but it's just such a great time to be alive and be a fan of this stuff. We are we are blessed with uh, so many so many great shows. Yeah, I think there's been um, 
a lot of rifts between Star Wars fans lately, and I'm really excited that they're going into a direction that kind of follows the the MCU train of things. I'm excited to see what kind of stories they come up with, and I'm hoping that everybody can enjoy it for what it is and have a good time watching this new content. Yeah, that's definitely how I'm feeling too. I, you know, I am one of the people on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network who is like, I love the MCU. But I'm much more of a Star Wars fanboy, and so there was a while when, like, Star Wars was kind of like the, you know, redhead stepchild, and I say that as a redhead and a stepchild, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Disney table, and seeing that, like, yes, the MCU is getting some amazing stuff, and I'm so glad for it. I, I've been covering uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on the Ethics Podcast. It's a great show. But just mm-hmm. seeing that we're going to get so much new Star Wars content, and that Disney, I think, is very intentionally not putting any Marvel content, at least for the first month of this show, to really let it be on its own, um, I, I just think we're really gonna. It's gonna be a golden age of um, uh, Star Wars content for a while. Uh, you know, I say that like I remember saying in 1999, I was super excited for these new Star Wars movies, <laughs> uh, and I was. But like some people love them, so it, I, I'm hoping we're gonna really get some great stuff. So, well, thank you both so much um, to our fans again. Please check out Animation Deliberation. Yeah. To our fans, as I said, please check out the Animation Deliberation. It's a great podcast. Uh, and check out all the other stuff on the MC. Uh, check out all the other stuff on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. You can get great stuff there about the MCU, Star Trek, uh, ethics discussion on my other podcast, DC Universe, Bingers Assemble, all sorts of great stuff there. So please check it all out. Uh, and I hope you're going to subscribe to this and uh, listen to our episodes on the Bad Batch, as well as the episodes will continue dropping on. We've just about finished wrapping up the Clone Wars, and then we're going to go into Rebels. So that'll be other great stuff. And uh, have a great day. Roger, Roger. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.